I am excited for this weekend. Uh, winter Meltdown is a fun time. So here's the deal. I love, love, love Winter Meltdown, but here's what I do not love. 20 degrees below zero or whatever it is outside right now. It's disgusting. It's so gross, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. But there's snow outside, and so you can go sledding. Awesome. What? No, not disgusting. Awesome. Amazing. All right, well, I'm excited to be with you. My name is Nick. Uh, There are not very many cool things about me to share with you, but as of, you're going to like give a big aw, as of October 26th, get ready, ladies, get ready, the coolest thing about Nick Harsh happened. Oh my goodness, aww, that has absolutely nothing to do with anything that we're talking about this week, but here's the deal, that is Rachel, Rachel Havlock, and I am engaged to her, so aww, and it is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me apart from salvation, there you go, she is beautiful, kind, and awesome, she loves Jesus, and I'm pumped to be up here with her, so That's that. Now, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but it's very, very important, so I'm sharing it with you. Oh, that's also us. Isn't that such a hipster picture, by the way? It's like, come on. I think you can tell that I give plasma on that one. I don't know. Anyway. Here's the deal. Tonight and this weekend, we're going to be looking at the book of Colossians. And what you need to know before we even start looking at the book is that right now, while we sit here and we look at God's word, there are people back home in your churches, there are people back home in your city and in your town praying for you right now that you would understand and know who Jesus is. They're praying that you would have an understanding of God that would grow this week. And I just want you to know that uh, I've been praying that for you as well. And the reality is this week, we're gonna study God's word, we're gonna look at God's word, and he is gonna show us some incredible things. He always does. But what you need to know is that that's not because of some cool skill that you and I have at looking at scripture, right? That ability to understand and to know who God is is something that he gives to us as a gift. And so I'm so excited for that. And I just want you to know there's people praying for you right now. There's people praying for me right now that God's word would have an impact in your life and in mine as we look at it this week. And so before we even jump into the text, I just want you to pray with me, and I want to give you an opportunity to pray, but would you pray with me that God would use his word in our hearts and our lives this evening? Lord, you're good. And as we come to your word tonight, the reality is that every single person in this room is coming with a different set of circumstances. Some of us are coming in here, and the world feels like it's just awesome. And for that, we praise you. And there are some of us tonight that have walked in this room and we're smiling. But the reality is that we are broken and hurting and maybe too scared to even tell anyone about it. And Lord, you know. And so my prayer for this week is that you'd use our our time together that you'd use your word to help us see and understand who Jesus is, to know more and more what he's like, and Lord, that as we understand who Jesus is, that we would grow to become more and more like him. 
And I just want to invite you as you're praying with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just to, to pray and ask God that he would give you an understanding and make you teachable tonight and that you'd use your, his word in your life. And if you would, pray for me that God would use my words and that they'd be helpful for you. And so, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We pray that you'd use it in our lives. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, have you ever been in a situation where you wanted to know God's will? You're like, duh. I don't know what it is. Maybe you're a senior here and you're getting ready to go to college and you're thinking, okay, where do I go to school? Do I go to Iowa, Iowa State, Faith, BBC, Cedarville? There's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of colleges in the United States. And that's not even going overseas, right? Maybe you're a senior like, Lord, I just need to know your will. Where do I go to school? Maybe you're sitting here tonight and there is a special guy or girl that you are interested in and you just avoided eye contact with them because that's weird. And you're like, Lord, do I ask him out? What do I do? I have no idea. Maybe you're trying to figure out what job you want to have for the summer. Maybe relationships with you and your parents aren't super good, and you say, Lord, what's your will? How do I respond in this situation? What does it look like to live in a way that's pleasing to you? Maybe you haven't even thought through it in those terms. Maybe you haven't really even thought of it in terms of God's will. And you're just saying, my life is a mess and I just need to know what to do, right? Chances are that every single person in this room have asked questions like that. And more than likely, every person in this room is thinking of something right now. I can think of a number of different times growing up where I wanted to know the will of God. I shared a praise already. I can think you're like, I don't even know this whole relationship game. Navigating that is like nearly impossible. Amen. I remember for a long time, I was like, Lord, please just show me your will. Actually, if you would just plop somebody right down in front of me and right on their forehead, Nick, marry this person. And fun fact, he practically did. I'll tell you that story later this week if you want to hear it. I remember other times at, in college, when I was a junior in college, I filled out an application to do an internship that I thought the Lord was leading me to. It was in Atlanta with some awesome, an awesome network of churches. It was with leaders that were great, and there would have been a really cool opportunity. I was like, this is what God wants me to do. This is awesome. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed that God would open up this opportunity and this door and that God would make his will known. And I got really, really, really far in the interview process. It went from like a couple thousand to like me and 12 other people. And I was like, oh my goodness, God wants me to be here. This is amazing. And then got a call on a Thursday morning. They said, Nick, thank you so much. We've loved getting to know you, but we're just not going to go with you at the time. And my whole world was like undone. I'm like, Lord, I thought this was your will. I remember a little later on a less serious note, my car was not doing great. Hashtag like problems until you're 35, right? Just like it's part of life. Just embrace it. It's okay. My car wasn't doing super good. At this point, I wasn't like, Lord, what's your will? I was like trying to convince God that his will was to keep my car running as long as possible. I was like, Lord, you say that, that for those who love you, you'll lack no good thing. Please just keep my car running, right? We've been there. We know what it's like to pray and to ask God to show us his will. 
Kevin DeYoung says, what should I do in the summer? What should my major be? What kind of career do I want? What kind of career should I have? Should I be married? Should I not be married? Should we have kids? How many kids? Should I play a sport or sing in choir? Where should I go to college? Should I even go to college? Should I go to grad school? And he said, for some, there are many money, relationships, future questions. How should I spend my money? What should I do in the future? And with so many questions to face in the next year and even the next few weeks, it's no surprise that many of us are desperate to know what God's will is. And I can think of tons and tons of times in my life where I wanted to know what God's will is, and you can too. And I prayed, God, make your will known. But what we find throughout Scripture, what we find in the book of Colossians, is that while God is interested very, very much in what you're facing tonight, there's also a plan that he is working that is so much bigger than I can imagine and so much bigger than you can imagine. And to understand God's will is really is that we would open our eyes and lift our eyes from our immediate circumstances and to understand that God is doing something so much bigger than we could ever imagine. And often as we're praying for God to show us via a light in the sky the next step that we're supposed to take, he's busy moving people from darkness into light. A lot of times when we're busy praying that God would show us what city to live in or where to get a job, God is busy moving people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. And that doesn't mean that God is callous or distant from your relation or your your situations tonight. But what that means is that in the midst of your relationships, circumstances, situations tonight, God is doing something so much bigger than you and I could ever imagine. He's in the process of moving people from darkness into light. He's in the process of growing us and strengthening us and bearing fruit in our lives and doing all these things. And so I just want to look with you at Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. So if you have a Bible, would you just turn there with me? This is a prayer from the Apostle Paul. So Colossians, like every other letter that Paul writes, starts off with a prayer. And he starts off by thanking the Lord for the way that he's working in the lives of the Colossian believers. So he says, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing, that that the gospel is going forward, that fruit is being uh, evidenced in their life. And then he moves, and he begins asking God to do things in their life. He begins asking God to do things in their life. And what we're going to see is that God alone gives us an understanding of his will and the power to carry it out. And so as we look at this text, we're going to see, and I just want to point it out really quickly, and then I'll kind of help us understand the point, but verses 9 through 14 are actually very similar to verses 3 through 8. And so if you look, look in verse 6. It says, since the day we heard, and then look with me at verse 9. It says, since the day we heard. Look with me at verse 3 in your Bible. It says that we always thank God. Now look at verse 12. It says, giving thanks to the Father. Verse 3, he says, I'm always praying. In verse 9, he says, we've not ceased to pray. Verse 3, when we pray for you. Verse 9, praying for you. Verse 6, understanding. Verse 9, knowing. Verse 6, bearing fruit and growing. Verse 10, bearing fruit and growing. And why do I show that? It's not just so that you can draw cool lines in your Bible. Because I love doing that. You look at my Bible, it's just got highlights. It's like I colored in there. It's weird. 
But the reason I share that with you is not so that we can color lines in our Bible and be like, wow, check out the parallel between verses 3 whatever to 9 whatever. Like, that's not why I share that with you. The reason why I share that to you is because of this. Paul's request to the Lord was rooted in what God was already doing in their lives. Do you understand that? That Paul comes here in verse 9 and he says, Lord, I'm asking for this, but it's coming on the heels of seeing what God had already done in, his, in the lives of the believers. And so if you're a believer here tonight, what you can know for sure is that God has done something and begun something in your life. And what you can know for sure is that he wants to complete that in your life. And we're going to see what that looks like in verses 9 through 14. And so look with me at what it says. It says this, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Says, from the day we heard, so this is pointing back to verse 8. So he says, from the day we heard, heard what? That the gospel was going forth, that it was bearing fruit. So Paul heard from the Colossians that, that God was working in their lives, that the gospel had taken root in their lives, and that it was bearing fruit and increasing. And Paul says, from the day that I heard that, that God was working in your life in that way, I have not ceased to pray for you. Paul understood that, that the gospel, when it bears fruit in a person's life, it's not uh, going to come about particularly by human efforts or by human uh, motion or movement, but he says, I heard that God was working already, and I'm praying for you that he would continue that work in your life. And so what does he say? He gives us the main prayer. He says, I did not stop or cease praying for you. And what did he pray? Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So he's asking that they would be filled with God's will. And you're like, yeah, I want some of that too. Notice that the word there, that they would be filled, that God would fill them with his will. And that's not something that you or me produce in ourselves. It's something that God does in our lives. But notice that he's not asking that God would tell them where to live. He's not saying, hey, Colossian believers, I'm praying that you would know if you should live in Colossae or Ephesus. Notice what he's asking, that God would fill them with the knowledge of his will. So when the Bible speaks about God's will, it's not as much thinking specifically about, do I get this job or that job? Do I date this girl guy or that girl guy? It's really more about that God would give us an understanding of who he is, that God would give us an understanding of what he's doing in the universe, and when we have a knowledge of God's will, it's going to give us the ability to discern and to make decisions, he says, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so understand that this is spiritual wisdom. This is spiritual understanding. It's not something that you and I can just learn in our own efforts. Fun fact, I am weird in that I like to read a lot, a lot, a lot. So, yeah, just we'll leave it at that. I like to read a lot. It doesn't matter how many books I've read. It doesn't matter how many college Bible classes I've sat in. All of those things are good to gain factual knowledge, but the kind of knowledge that Paul is talking about here is a kind of knowledge like in terms of relationship, that, that you'd be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that your relationship with the Lord would grow, that you would know who God is and that you'd know what he wants you to do in life. 
And that's not something that we can just like learn by reading 50 books a year or something like that. That's something that God does in us. And so really that should bring about a humility in our lives that we recognize, I want to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. I want to know what God's will is for my life, that I would have a spiritual wisdom to know how to respond to situations, that I would have a knowledge of what he's trying to do in me. And that should bring us to humility because you recognize that God's the one that does that, not me. And so he says this, so that, verse 10, he says, so that you might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. So understand what's happening here. Paul says, Lord, thank you so much for what you're doing in the lives of these Colossian believers. He says, because of what you're already doing, I pray that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. That they would have spiritual wisdom and they'd have spiritual understanding. Why? So that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And so can I just encourage you tonight? There's a lot of us sitting in this room and we want to know what God's will is for our lives. And that's so important. There's a lot of us in this room that say, Lord, I just want to do what you want me to do. And can I just encourage you that it's a lot harder to get that wrong in a sense. Like, as in God's will isn't a bullseye that we're trying to hit. Like, it's not, if I pick the wrong city, I'm out of God's will. God's will is that you would walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And that's what he says. So he says, what's God's will? That you would walk in a manner worthy of him. And then he begins to tell us what that looks like. And so there's four things that it looks like to walk in a manner worthy of him. So if you're saying here tonight, I want to know God's will. I want to know what it looks like to live in God's will. Here, this is your part of the text. This is for you. He gives us four ing words. They're called adverbial participles, and you don't need to know that. Just know they're ing words. But they're this, bearing fruit, increasing, being strengthened, and giving thanks. And so we'll look at each of these. In verse 10, it says, bearing fruit in every good work. And throughout the book of Colossians and throughout Scripture, we see that when the gospel takes root in somebody's life, it bears fruit in their life. What do you mean? When you and I understand the significance of the gospel, it's going to change the way that we interact with our neighbors, with our family, and with our friends. So he says, bearing fruit in every good work. And then he says, increasing in the knowledge of God. And this idea of bearing fruit and increasing in the knowledge of God, they can't really be separated. In other words, do you want to bear fruit? Grow in your understanding of who God is. Do you want to understand more who God is? Bear fruit. And they work together. I remember one of my favorite weeks of the entire year growing up was being here during the summer. It was awesome. Right? You're having like a great time with your friends. Climbing wall was amazing. I love the climbing wall. And it was just a good week. And I remember every single year for a long, long, long time coming to camp and watching God grow me in ways that I had not grown the rest of the year. Has that been some of your experience? You're like, yes, I get that. I know what that's like. I understand that. I came and I'm like, oh my goodness, God is growing me in ways I could have never imagined. And then I remember leaving, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm not growing as much as I was that past week. What happened? 
And it took me a long time to make the connection. And you're like, Nick, you're slow. That's okay. Here's the connection. What other week of the year do you come and sit under preaching of God's word, memorize scripture, and spend a whole week with believers in Christ who are pushing you towards Christ-likeness? You're like, never, right? So what's the connection? I'm increasing and bearing fruit as I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. So I'm coming here and I'm sitting under teaching and I'm growing and I'm memorizing and God's like, yes, 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 bearing fruit left and right. And then I realized, do you know that that's actually possible every single week of the year? That if you and I would grow and increase in our knowledge of God, not some head knowledge that's like, oh, God is this and God is this and definition here. But if we would grow to know who God is, that we would increase in our knowledge of him and we'd be bearing fruit in every good work and that would be increasing over and over and over. And so you say, what do I do to do that? How does that work? What does that look like in my life? Let me give you four ways. One, get connected in your local church. Be there on Sunday. Sit under the preaching of God's word. You're already doing that in some awesome ways. Number two, read his word. Get in his word. Make it a part of your day. Number three, memorize his word. Learn it. Add it to your, like, make it a part of your heart. And I would say spend time in prayer. And if you do those four things, it sounds really simple. Read your Bible, pray every day. But the reality is, as we get to know who God is, he grows us and fruit begins to be a reality in our lives. And so it says bearing fruit in every good work, giving thanks. And the reason why we can give thanks is because of what God's doing in our life. Paul already said, hey, the gospel's going forth. It's bearing fruit. Therefore, I'm bearing fruit in every good work. I'm increasing in the knowledge of God and I'm giving thanks to the Father. And then in verses 12 through 14, he gives us the reason for thanksgiving. So understand this. Paul starts with thanksgiving. He says, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in their lives, and I would say we could do the same. If you're a believer here, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, we can do the same thing. We say, Lord, thank you so much for the things you've done in my life. And then he says, Lord, because of what you've already done, I'm confidently asking that you would keep doing that. And then he says, and also, while I'm asking that you would do that, I'm also giving thanks to the Father. Why? The reason why we can give thanks to the Father is because of the kingdom transfer that's taken place in our life. That you and I are, if you place your faith in Jesus, have gone from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved Son. He says this, he says, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So get this. God the Father has provided what sinners needed to be considered worthy to join the people of God. So God is holy, we're not, and God took the initiative to provide what was needed to make unholy people right before him. How did he do it? Look with me at verses 13 and 14. I love these verses. These are so good. It says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness, and he's transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. And so the bestowal of God's inheritance takes the form of a rescue. Takes the form of a rescue. That God came down into the kingdom of darkness and he transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. That you and I, before we knew Jesus, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. 
Ephesians 3 says, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And this is the kingdom. This is the domain that you and I live in if you don't know Jesus and that you and I lived in at one point if we have, if, before we placed our faith in Jesus. That's the domain. And he delivers us. And it's not by our own merit that we enter into this kingdom. It's through the work that the king has accomplished on our behalf. And so every person here, before you place your faith in Jesus, you have something you don't want. You have a sin problem. And every person in this room, before they place their faith in Jesus, needs something they don't have. They need Jesus' righteousness. And God comes down, he enters into the picture, and he rescues us from the domain of darkness, and he transfers us into the kingdom of his beloved son. And you say, so what does that look like? How does that happen? It's not by our merit. It was so cool. I had the privilege of being a part of a, like an intro to the gospel class not too long ago. And I was just sitting back. I wasn't teaching it. I was just watching and observing. And there was a lady in the class. And as we walked through, she communicated a lot of the truths of the gospel, probably like many of you could do. She says, I know that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. She says, I know that he paid the penalty for my sins. I know that he rose from the dead. And she knew all of these facts, right? But then she had a lot of questions. She says, yeah, but what about somebody that like goes their whole life and is a terrible person? You know, like they just are mean to everybody. Let's even amp it up more. They just have killed a lot of people or something. I don't know. Somebody's just a terrible person. They go their whole life without knowing Jesus. They're living in this domain of darkness, this kingdom of darkness. And she said, it doesn't seem fair that God would save them even when they lived a life that was so terrible. And as we walked through the class and we kept going through the class, you could kind of tell that she's thinking through these truths of the gospel. And the last night, uh, the guy teaching, he said, you know, we have something we don't want sin and we need something we don't have Christ's righteousness and did you know that Jesus comes and he offers us his righteousness by faith that there's nothing you and I have to do for it we just simply receive it in faith and she starts crying and she realizes she says I did not know that was true it's my whole life I knew that Jesus died for my sins my whole life I knew that he paid the punishment for my sins, but I did not know that he offers his righteousness for free. I thought that was something I had earned. And in a moment, her eyes were open. She realized that Jesus is doing something in her life. She realized that there's a kingdom of darkness that she was living in. She realized that there was a kingdom of light that he wants to transfer her into. And in a moment, she crossed from death to life. Her eyes were open to the truth of the gospel. And here's the deal, guys. Every one of us here is walking through something very specifically that feels overwhelming to us, something that's on our mind, something that we're like, I just want to know what God's will for my life is in this situation. Every one of us. But here's the deal. 
God's will for your life is not first and foremost that you would make a right decision in that circumstance, in that instance. God's will for your life, first and foremost, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, is that you would lift your eyes from your circumstances and see that God is doing something in history and in the world that we can't imagine. He wants to do something in your life, and if you're a believer, he already has. He's moved you from kingdom to kingdom, darkness to light. He's doing something in your life, and he's going to continue that until the day of salvation. And even bigger than that, it's not just a personal thing, but this is a worldwide thing that he's doing, that God desires for people to move from darkness into light. And if you're a believer, his desire is that we would lift our eyes and we would recognize that an understanding of the gospel, an understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done will change the way that we live. That we're going to be bearing fruit, increasing in the knowledge of him, giving thanks to the Father. That we're going to be growing in our understanding of Jesus and it's going to live out in our lives with good fruit. But there's another group of us here tonight you say, Lord, I just want to know what to do next. Or maybe you don't even think about it in those terms. You say, I don't even know what to do with my life right now. It's a hot mess. And you say, what do I do? That God's will for your life, even before any of that, is that you would move from kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. And for some of you here tonight, that's your first step. For some of you here tonight, you're hearing me talk about circumstances and situations, and you're so overwhelmed by that, but what God wants you to do is to lift your eyes and realize that even more than that, he loves you, he cares for you, and it's because he does that he sent his son to die from you, for you. And then again, for those of us who are believers, God's desire is that we would not forget about our circumstances, not ignore them but lift our eyes up and just recognize that Jesus is doing something in your life. He started it at salvation and he's gonna complete it until he comes back or we go to see him. And so we can lift our eyes and we can bear fruit. We can increase in knowledge. We can give thanks because he's doing something in our lives. And our thanksgiving for what he's already done should propel us to have confidence in the way that we ask him to keep working in our lives because he's doing it, not us. Make sense? It's a lot in a really short amount of time. And I can see it on your faces right now. I know that you're processing this stuff, and I can tell that for many of you are like, yeah, he knows. There's something in my life. And the reality is there's something in my life too. All of us are thinking through what, is the, what does God want us to do? What is God's will? And so let's just pray together as we close. Let's ask the Lord that he would give us an understanding of his will. He'd help us to see who Jesus is and to understand what it is he's done for us in our lives. So let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much just for your word, for the fact that your desire and your plan is to move people from darkness into light. That your desire for each person here is that we would move from the domain of darkness and we'd be transferred into the kingdom of your beloved son. And Lord, for many of us in this room, that's happened. We understand that. We've placed our faith in Jesus, and by faith, we've changed kingdoms. But there's some in this room tonight that still haven't done that. And Lord, my prayer for each person here tonight is that more than our circumstances, more than what do I do tomorrow, more than who do I date, where do I go to college, Lord, that you would help us to see 
that you're doing something in our lives personally and in the universe that is all about making your glory known and making Jesus famous. And I pray that you would do that in our lives and that we would understand that and that we would believe. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.